Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. Let's get ready to rumble! Morrell takes the ball, looking inbound, loops it far up court for George, who catches it, turns around, shoots, and he got it! Welcome, Husky fans, to another edition of the Gamble Grind Podcast. I'm Steven Sanzari, and I'm joined alongside Ben Dezonier. And sorry we didn't have an episode last week. That is on me. I was uh, under the weather, so Ben and I couldn't get an episode done. But we're here now. We're here to discuss this this interesting week, week and a half for UConn basketball. And if we're being honest, it hasn't been a really fun week. They fell to Wichita State 89-86 in double overtime in Hartford, and then Dropped two on the road at Cincinnati, at South Florida, and then won the game at, at home against Tulane. And it's just not the way this UConn basketball season needed to start for them in conference play. It's, you know, you're one and three right now. And it's becoming really dangerous, especially with the road ahead at Villanova next week and then at Houston. So what would you like to uh, say about this uh, past week or two for UConn basketball, Ben? To this point, and I think most UConn fans, and I mean the sentiments been shared on this podcast as well, have been pretty hopeful for this team, and this team shown flashes of uh, flashes of brilliance. I think is fair to say, but a one and three start in the American with Villanova, Houston, uh, both on the road coming up. I mean, to even think that we would be one and five. I mean, I, mean, I know Villanova is not in our conference, but one and five in January. I mean, that pretty sickening and pretty disheartening, honestly, to think about. Um, I, I just hope they can get it turned around quickly because U- UConn Nation just can't take another losing season like this. I mean, it, it would hurt recruiting. It would hurt perception. I mean, it would hurt the, the fans are getting restless. Uh, they need to start ripping off some of these W's. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people are talking on Twitter and on the Boneyard and other social media platforms are talking about how oh, some people are saying this is a moral victory. Like, you know, we came back, we fought hard. And, you know, it's it's great to have those kind of right because we've been coming off of really bad seasons. But sooner or later, you have to jump, you know, get, get over that. You have to finally win one of these games because it's it, how if you go into the season and you play all these teams tough right you, you have like tough games against Wichita State you have tough game against Xavier right if you don't win one of these games at the end of the season you're gonna say oh yeah it was nice that we were in those games but we never won anything we never have you know anything to show for it yeah I, I think the only win where I think UConn could feel really good about themselves I shouldn't say that probably two but beating Florida, but even Florida, Florida has not looked that good outside of um, playing UConn that day and winning the Charleston classic. But, and then our victory over Miami, Miami's knocked off some teams, but just certain team, even teams that beat us like St. Joe's and even Indiana, um, they just haven't lived up to what we thought they were going to be. And I think that's what makes 
these losses even more disheartening, especially the Cincinnati and South Florida losses. I mean, those are not really that's not a really good Cincinnati team and that's not a really good South Florida team like those are very average teams I just I don't know it's it's hard to put um put it into words how disappointing the start to this year has been the start to the new year I should say and and we we talk about going forward in this conference right this isn't a great conference and it's not to pile on to the American this year it's just it, there's really besides Wichita State and Memphis, this team, this this league is very wide open, right? But at the same time, UConn, they're not playing their great, you know, great basketball, so they could easily lose to any of these teams. Like games that you think are given, like you beat, like maybe a you beat a Tulsa or you beat uh, a Tulane on the road or something like that. Those aren't givens in this in this league this year, just the way the UConn's playing. So. This could get really ugly real quick for UConn if they don't somehow string together a couple of wins and go on a little bit of a run. I mean, we, we talked about getting into the postseason and not necessarily the NCAA tournament, but just getting into the NIT. And even right now, it's scary. I mean, there, there's a potential they might not even make the NIT with just the way they're playing right now. Right. And, and like two, three weeks ago, I mean, we would have laughed if someone would have said that we wouldn't, we wouldn't make the NIT. I mean, it was it, – it's just – perplexing the way that things have gone and how inconsistent UConn has been. And, you know, I'm obviously, I've been a big Hurley guy and I, I, I still am. I still believe in what he's doing and recruiting has been miles better than it was at the end of the Ali era. But I'm skeptical of like on offense, I feel like we, our offense almost seems like it's a lot of side to side with guys out of position, and I know he likes to run that horn set with the two bigs up top, basically being the passers and the screeners, but it just seems like we don't have the personnel to run the type of offense that he likes. Like The only big that we have that can really shoot it from the outside is a cook, and our guards, other than really maybe book night and Vital to some extent, are not great attacking the basket off the dribble, going one-on-one. So... It's just a we have a weird personnel for the offense that we have, and we talked about it. Like recruits have mentioned, and um, that like Hurley will sit down and show them film of like their offense and show them like where they fit in in the offense and how they're going to use them. And I get that that stuff helps with recruiting, but you can't put square pegs in round holes, and you you gotta try and run a little bit of an offense that fits our personnel better, I think, than what we do. And I don't know the answers, obviously, and I trust what Hurley's doing, but it is concerning how on offense we just we seem very stagnant and very behind the eight ball. Yeah, just like you, I'm concerned with this offensive uh, set and the way with the way they run their offense. It's yes, in the future this might be the way and it might work for Hurley, right? But right now, you just like you said, they don't have the personnel. And why are we forcing it if we don't have the personnel? I mean, we want to win games here. So in my opinion, if you want to try it every once in a while so you can show the recruits like, hey, look, this is what this is what we're going to run. Right. And you're going to fit that spot like Andre Jackson. You're going to fit that. And Javante Brown Ferguson, you're going to fit that. But right now we don't have those guys here and we want to win. ball. You know, we want to win games. And I don't know. To me, it's just. It's just frustrating to watch, and it just consistently just doesn't work. And I mean, these fans are fans are already getting restless, and it's just going to get worse and worse if we keep losing, and we keep losing in the fashion we've been losing. And yeah, it's like you said, it's it's unfortunate, it's frustrating, but um, I think 
all UConn fans can do right now is just like keep supporting the team and try and get through it. I mean, I can just tell though, like some fans are getting restless. And I think people like to use the excuse, right, that we don't have enough talent yet. And I think that I think some fans get frustrated because we do have better and higher ranked recruits than a lot of the teams that we're playing. That that's a that is a hundred percent fact. But I just don't think we necessarily have the ones that fit Hurley's system yet the way that we need it to. And I don't know, it's a weird balance there. But you you had mentioned it to me before we started recording that you almost change your mind every single day what we need. Like what's going to get us to the next level as far as what what's going to get us to become that a great team again? Like what are we missing? And every game it's something different. So I, I really think it's a mixture of things. And in general, we just don't have the right personnel for what we're trying to do and what Hurley wants to do and how he likes to likes to coach and likes to play. And I think it's just going to require time. I, I just hope that, and I include myself in this group, that UConn fans in general just stay patient. I, I think that we just got to be, we got to be patient. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to be patient though with this team. I, I mean, absolutely, absolutely. You, you know, you and I, we're going to be patient, right? We're the diehards and, and the people probably listen to this podcast, but the people that are, you know, not as diehard and they're just kind of like that casual type of fan, they're going to say, look, I mean, we, we there's, this is, this is going to be the fourth losing season potentially. And I, I, I don't want to wait anymore. We, we're, this is UConn basketball. I demand excellence. You know, I demand, uh, you know, being in the top three of a league or I are winning the conference championship or going to the NCAAs. I mean, it's getting, it's getting kind of old for people, and I mean, it's getting old for everybody. But it's 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 a it's a process, and it sucks. It really does. That's really all you could say, right? I mean, there's nothing more. It's just it's a waiting game. That's all it is with this team right now. And hopefully, hopefully, the season they can turn it around. They they go on a you know a little run where they maybe they win three or four or five in a row and get back into the contention for you know the top five of the league. But Going into the season, there was, I think, real high expectations that this team was going to make a, a jump and go in the right direction. And right now, we're looking at a team that's kind of on par with last year, maybe at times even a little, you know, a little less than. But now that we see what's going on, I mean, is it fair to say that maybe we had our expectations were too high last year? I, I, I mean, for this year. I mean, the team is not much different than it was last year. We really, the only guy of substance that we that we lost was Jalen Adams, and I get that we added those new freshmen, but I mean, there's probably something to be said for maybe Jalen Adams hiding a lot of the deficiencies that these players had with his talent, and I don't know, I. It just feels like we're constantly, we don't have the parts. Like, oh, we don't have enough shooters. We don't have enough bigs. We don't have enough ball handlers. It's like, we need we need a lot of stuff. Like, it's not one <laughs> thing you can point to. And I think that's that's what I mean when I say, like, we just, we got to be patient. We got to give, give Hurley a couple years to recruit. And don't get me wrong, I'm not making excuses for him either because it, it is frustrating, uh, the stuff on the offensive end of the floor. We've become an elite defensive unit, which I think fans appreciate. But it'll continue to be very frustrating if we can't somehow start stringing some wins together and at least get to 18, 19, maybe even 20 wins this year and continue 
moving into a positive direction because right now I at a, at a loss for words is about where I stand on almost any topic. When you talk about this team, it's hard to pinpoint really anything. You, you, you have the Kevin Ollie leftovers and they clearly are, maybe they should have at the time everyone said we wanted to retain them and Hurley wanted to retain them. But now looking back at it, right. Can we say maybe it would have been a better idea if some of these guys had split? I know we would have been a mess last year, but at least maybe we would get some of Hurley, you know, Hurley type guys in here and maybe running his type of offense and, and his type of defense. What do you think about that? I just think it was hard to say. I mean, you get the job so late and then you run guys out. I mean, you see how bad that can derail a team sometimes, you know, like, I don't know. I, I feel like we're be- we're going to be better off for keeping them. I mean, by next year, we'll only have four Ollie guys left. Um, Carlton, Polly, uh, Whaley, and uh, Sid Wilson. Wilson. (laughs) But, and honestly, like all those guys only really, I mean, Wilson never even played for him. And the other three, they played one season for him. So I, I, I think next year it'll almost kind of be flushed out. And, but I, I'm not sitting here saying that it's all their fault. Like those guys have talent and so does Christian Vital and so does Altari Gilbert. Like they have talent, but I just don't think their skill sets fit the the offense and the defensive schemes that Hurley is trying to employ. So th- that's kind of what I mean when I say like we just gotta give them we gotta give them some time. We gotta give them some um some leeway there and but they've gotta get it going too though, the coaching staff. They gotta get these players and put them in the right position so we can win some games. Absolutely. And and let's move on now to some even worse news, and that's Tyler Polly. He tore his ACL this past Friday uh, during practice. This, is, this to me, is a huge, huge, huge loss. It's even – I know it's going to give some people saying, uh, at least, you know, you'll get playing time at a book night and, and Brendan Adams, you get more time with them. But this was your three-point shooter. And this is something that this team really lacks is a good three-point shooter. And Tyler Polly is that guy that could shoot the three. And when I saw this, when you texted me uh, Sunday morning and said he was out, I hadn't seen it yet. My, my heart sank. I was like, that's it. I mean, this is, if they had, if honestly, if they had Tyler Polly on Sunday, I believe that they could have won that game. But Tyler Polly out for the season and it's it's bad. It's bad. Well, like you said, I mean the only bright side is that Book Knight's gonna get a really good chance to and Hurley said it post game to really unleash himself and see what see what he can do, you know. I mean we, he's gonna really need to carry some more of the scoring load, especially with Polly out and but it's undeniable, especially after the game he had against Tulane what Tyler Polly has meant to this team in terms of pure shooting ability and just being one of the better, I think, um, better athletes in general on the, on the team. I, I think Curly was finally starting to get him to a point where he was rebounding the ball more aggressively and playing more aggressive on the defensive end of the floor. So it's disappointing to see this happen at this time. Um, for those that are curious, it was a non-contact injury that at worth on, um, on Friday, I, he just said he just did a normal jump stop like he normally does every, almost every day in practice, and his knee just gave out. And then when he tried to get up, it was he knew there was something wrong. And it, it's just too bad to see something like that happen to such a good kid. And um, the good news is, is the off season uh, while he's injured, he's going to be able to work on his upper body strength with Sal, and 
hopefully he had a seven to nine month recovery, they say. So he should be ready to ready to go start a start a practice next next fall. Well, yeah, it's it's just it's a really sad loss uh, losing Tyler Polly. But moving forward, right, we have a preview of the Big East, our second preview of the Big East this season. We go and we travel to Villanova on Saturday, and I'm excited that we're going to play Villanova. But it could be a it could be a real ugly, ugly game on Saturday. Uh, what are your takes on the upcoming game against Villanova? Uh, the Wildcats are a very skilled, well coached bunch. Obviously, they got it rolling um, over the last. 10 years under Jay Wright. And I think it'll be fun for UConn fans, obviously to be playing Villanova on the road, a, a true uh, original Big East school. And it's great. are going to get a nice little taste of uh, Fox sports one. I believe that's where the game is, is going to be uh, the televised at noon on Saturday. So UConn fans are going to see what it's going to be like with uh, Fox announcers and the way that they run things. I really enjoy Fox and Big East broadcasts. They do, um, good. They usually do a little bit of a pregame before a uh, halftime show that's focused on breaking down the game and not necessarily just, oh, what is Duke doing or what is Kentucky doing? Or, and then they do a postgame show after that talks about what happened in the game and what it meant, means for the league. And it, that's the kind of stuff that I think un, in the American we were really missing. ESPN, I think, does a pretty poor job of uh, covering not only the game, but the, the league in general, post-game, pre-game. Um, they don't – halftime shows are sometimes tape-delayed, so they, they don't even talk anything about what happened in the first half. And Fox usually does a very good job of that for the Big East game, so I am excited for that. In terms of the game itself, I mean, Villanova, I think, is just – they're just in another league than UConn right now in terms of talent level and uh, execution level, obviously. I mean, they've just got it rolling there. But I, I hope UConn comes, and I hope they're ready to battle. And they, they really, like you said, need a signature win badly. So hopefully this will be a game where maybe they come out, they shoot the ball well early, and who knows? Maybe you can make something happen on the road and really get this thing rolling in the right direction. Yeah, I, and I think there's going to be a really good UConn presence at Villanova. They used to be back back when we used to play in the Big East. So. I think I think there is a potential, even though we've been kind of negative uh, on this podcast. I think there is actually a potential for UConn to win this game. I, there's something there's something about it. I got like a vibe where it's going to be a really close game, and it's going to come down to maybe a possession or two. But this might be this might be the time for UConn to turn that corner and get that signature win, like you said, and and get fans feeling good again about this team and and saying, oh, you know, maybe maybe there's potential going forward to finish in that top half of the American, but. It's it's really going to take performances from from Gilbert and from Vital. I say that all the time, but it seems like when those two play their best game, that's when we win. You know, I, and then obviously you'll get production from other guys like Book Knight and um, and uh, and Brendan Adams now. But these those two guys, if they if they can lead you and, and play their best game, that there's there's always going to be a, a potential to win these big big games. I think it's going to really benefit them too. They're really going to have a full week basically to prep for Villanova. They have no midweek conference game this week. So they have the whole week off to get ready. Uh, Hurley already mentioned that some guys going to be able to, you know, hopefully get some rest like a cook, a cook who he Hurley said in the overtime sessions, he really had dead legs against Wichita state. I mean, he's been playing big minutes as a freshman um, so far. So I, I think that's a positive too. And hopefully 
we're more ready for Villanova than Villanova is ready for us, if that kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that that benefits us too on uh, the positive side. Yeah, and it'd be nice. It'd be nice to see you know a Cook play a little better too. He's kind of uh, kind of disappeared a little bit in these conference games. Uh, not not to bash him. I, I'm a real big fan of him, and I think he he's one of the most talented players on this roster currently. But it'd be nice maybe he gets some rest this week and he and he puts on a good game as well because. Uh, with the lack of, of big men we talked about earlier, he's he's a huge, huge piece to this team, especially from a shot blocking standpoint. I don't know. I, I mean, we, we've been saying it all year long. We've been going back and forth and saying that they can win some of these big games. But I'm not just saying it because I'm a UConn fan. I'm just saying it from, you know, as a as a college basketball fan, I really do believe that UConn could give Villanova a game this weekend. Shifting gears here, but well, Stephen, what do you think about uh, the way that uh, Hurley's been handling the Sidney Wilson situation. I mean, he played played great on uh, on sat on Sunday against Wichita State after kind of being in the doghouse two of the three previous games. Um, there have been some rumors flying around about uh, about uh, possibly not giving effort in practice, or Hurley basically saying that Sid needs to earn his minutes. He can't just occupy minutes. And I think this was a a touchy subject for UConn Nation. A lot of people on. Uh, on Twitter, kind of disagreeing with what Hurley's doing there. Uh, what What's your opinion on on the topic? I'm glad you brought this up, Ben. Okay, because me, our, you, and I have been huge supporters of Sid Wilson, especially on this podcast. And I am not I'm not happy the way Dan Hurley, tre- you know, handled the Sid Wilson um, situation. I, I know he probably sees more, and he obviously is at practices and stuff. He's running practices, right? But to me, this kid has too much potential to put him in the doghouse and not play him. And it was very, it was very evident on Sunday. I mean, he comes off the bench and he gives, he, he lit the team. You know, he came in, he blocked a couple of shots. He was getting rebounds. He, he obviously he made the the, the game tying three at the end of regulation. I mean, this kid, if he could ever just get his jump shot going, he could be a huge, huge, huge weapon for this team going forward. And I just, I, I obviously with Polly getting hurt. He's going to get a lot of a lot more minutes than he did before, right? So maybe this is his chance to you know get himself a spot in this rotation. I've always been a big Sid Wilson guy, and I've said multiple times on this podcast that I think he's going to be a big part of what we're going to do over our, our first two years in the Big East next year and the year after his junior and senior seasons. His athleticism is unteachable. I mean, he's got. He's got to be one of the best athletes in the American Conference. And whether he can put it together on the offensive and defensive side of the ball um, in terms of skill sets, I think it remains to be seen a little bit. But I love the energy he brings and the athleticism that he brings to the table. I just He's got to have a spot. There's got to be a spot for him um, in the rotation moving forward. And I was disappointed that he wasn't playing, but it's hard for me to fault Hurley if it truly was practice habits we're not in those practices fans don't see what goes on every day so it's hard for me to be like oh well Hurley doesn't know what he's doing he should be playing him like if he's dogging in practice like he is trying to instill like a winning attitudes and winning habits and a good culture like part of that is is being in practice and giving full effort in practice but but I understand why UConn fans would be frustrated when they see like this effort and this um, great performances from, from Wilson, not great performances, but really solid high energy performances from Wilson. I I just think that 
I see both sides. I understand if there, that truly was the reason that he uh, hasn't been playing, whether it's for the practice habits or whatever, but I, I'm just happy that he had a great day and hopefully he, he keeps it up so that he can stay in the lineup moving forward because we're going to need Sid Wilson over the next couple of years. Yeah, he brings that athleticism that UConn really hasn't had in a very long time. I mean, when he when he had that putback dunk off of somehow Carlton missed that alley-oop layup, uh, that was electric. I mean, the Civic Center was rocking, and it, was just some, it just reminded me kind of like the old school UConn way, like like Stanley Robinson type of guys where they just could just jump out of the gym, right? And I, I, I get I get Hurley if he, if he really was dogging it in practice, but at the same time, I mean – you, you sit them out full games almost and never play them. I mean, you send the message, but when this team really is lacking a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of uh, potential at, at, in certain spots, I mean, you got to throw him in the lineup, even, even though I know he's acted up or he hasn't been given it at all. I, I, it's, it's hard and it's hard because I'm not, I'm not the coach and, and Hurley knows way more about basketball than me. Right. But to me, it's like, you got to sometimes, you know, you just gotta, you just gotta do, you just gotta put him in and, you just don't give them serious, serious minutes. You just throw them in there, and then you put them right back on the bench and send the message that way. Speaking of the Civic Center, what a crowd. What a crowd on Sunday. I, I thought it was electric in the building, and you could just sense it from the moment you walked in. I got there about 45 minutes early, and the lines were already starting way outside. And It was, it was a really fun day um, to be in the old barn, as they like to say. And it was uh, – it was loud. It was very, very loud after that Sid Wilson put back dunk and the Sid Wilson three to tie it to send it to overtime. And it was deafening. So I, it was just really, really good to see. And 13,000 plus in there. Again, we don't know what attendance figures will be like next year, but I'm hoping that the return to the Big East will get us more days like yesterday and more more UConn fans coming to games because when you pack it in that that much with that many fans, it makes it a lot more fun to be at the game. And I, it's got to be a huge, huge boost to our players for sure. It felt like old times, really, when we when we were walking into the Civic Center. I mean, you, we walked, uh, we went in through the main entrance, and it just it had that old time feel where there was just people all over the place crossing the street and everything. It just it reminded me, you know, back in the Big East days when we would consistently get, you know, fifteen thousand, sixteen thousand, or whatever the capacity of uh, the Civic Center is. But it it just even my dad was saying it, and he's been going to games for thirty five years or whatever. Uh, it just. It was it was great to see, and it was I was really proud of the fan base. And I've been, if you follow me on on Twitter or you you see my posts on the Boneyard, you can see I'm very very critical of the attendance because it is a huge boost, like you said, it's a huge boost to these guys, and they recognize it. I mean, there was a point in time in that game where Vital started pumping the crowd up, and then everybody joined in with him. That's something we haven't had in a while because we've only had like eight thousand people at these games in Hartford, and then even less at Gamble, which is just to me it's sad to see. But I understand why people aren't showing up because they haven't been great. But still, at the same time, this is your team. And if you have the time and you have the money to go to these games, support the team and go out there because it truly, truly makes a huge difference. So I think this is a good place to wrap up this podcast. Uh, We'd like to thank everybody that listens to these podcasts. Uh, We're very, very uh, happy to have you consistently listen to these podcasts. And please, please, please spread the word about the podcast. Follow us on Twitter at The Gamble Grind. Subscribe to us on Apple and Spotify podcast. And we'll catch you in the next episode. Go Huskies.